Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast for Hope City Church in Riverside, California. For more info about Hope City Church, visit www.hopecityriverside.org. I'm very, 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 very excited to say for the first time, will you please open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. If you don't have a Bible, there is one under your seat. And if you don't have a Bible and you need one, you may take that one home. So that is your Bible. Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. We'll read this verse, we'll pray, and then we'll jump in. It says this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Let's pray. Father, we did not come to hear from me tonight. We came to hear from you. And so I pray, God, that you would speak to us through your word. We don't, we don't need the opinions of man, Lord. We don't, we don't need anything more than your presence and your word. We want to sit at your feet now as you speak to us. And I pray, Lord, that you would anoint this message. And, Lord, anything that I say... If I'm off in anything, I pray that it would go in one ear and out the other for every one of these listeners, Lord. That everything that is of you would just take root and bear fruit in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I have been, uh, I have just, I've been, as we lead up to this, I was actually going to teach a day. We were going to start with something else, go into a different series. Uh, I, I, I enjoy teaching through books of the Bible, verse by verse, and doing those things. I was going to start off just with something like that. And uh, after some conversations with my, my wife and just a stirring in my heart, I just had this sense that, no, we need to go in, in a different direction. And so I, I know it may seem cheesy. We're Hope City Church, but I want to talk about hope. I, I want to talk about hope. Um, because I just have this sense, the more I talk to people, the more I interact with a lot of different people in different situations and different circumstances, there are so many, and, I, and no doubt, many in this place tonight that are sick-hearted, that, that have lost or their hope, your hope has been deferred, it's been delayed, it's been put off. Maybe you're here and that's you. Maybe, maybe your hope is just hanging on by a thread. Maybe you're doing great in some areas, but in, in other areas where you felt like God had spoken to you and just things have been delayed or deferred or put off, your hope has been deferred and it's starting to make your heart sick. Or, or maybe you've just in a spot where you would say, I, I think maybe I've let go of hope. Whatever your circumstance, whether it's a, a dream that God has given you that hasn't come to pass that you thought would happen by now, a relationship that needs to be restored, a child or a friend who isn't following the Lord right now, a breakthrough, a spiritual breakthrough that you've been praying through or just a natural breakthrough that you've been praying for. Maybe it's your own relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're experiencing a season of just spiritual dryness and it's been so extended that you just, maybe you've lost hope that you can reignite that fire again. My prayer for you tonight and in the next coming weeks is that through his word, and his presence, that God will breathe fresh hope into everyone here. That the Spirit of God will refresh you and stir your heart to begin to hope again. That he will 
reignite your expectation and desire for the things of God. That's my prayer for you. I know so many are here just because you, you, you're so, such good friends and you love us and you're here. I, 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 know I, I actually believe that the Holy Spirit has drawn you here tonight. Whatever happens in the coming weeks, I believe that you're here tonight because the Holy Spirit has brought you here. Because he wants to fill you with hope. And so as we step out, I just want to, let's set a definition of hope before you. Okay? Because I'm already like clocking over my time. I'm just kidding. So let's set a definition. When we talk about hope, what are we talking about? Some people go like, what, hope and faith, like, are they, they're so like intertwined. And, and they really are. Hope and faith are so closely linked. It's difficult to separate them sometimes. And I would just say this. I think while faith deals with all of our life, past, present, and future, hope is that distinctly future element of our faith. Hope, hope is that, that expectation of what is to come. The word hope is used over 170 times in the Bible. In the Old Testament, the word is yachal. You want to say that? Yeah. No? Okay, we all just spit on each other. So, so the Old Testament word for hope is yachal, and it means to wait, to be patient, it's to be pained. You go, wait a second. Like, I, I don't want to talk about hope and talk about pain in the same breath. It says to be pained. It says to stay, to tarry, to trust to expect. And so it has this idea of waiting and trusting even through some pain. Sometimes, how many of you know, sometimes, sometimes, here's why, I think sometimes we give up our hope because hope is painful sometimes. Because we're afraid that hope is going to disappoint us. Because we're afraid that we're going to have false hopes. So it says to wait, to continue, to stay, to be patient, to expect, even though sometimes it's painful. The New Testament word for hope, I'm not even going to try to pronounce, and it means this, to anticipate, usually with pleasure, expectation or confidence, an expectation of good, a joyful and confident expectation. I like that definition a little bit more than the first one, but when you put them together, it's really saying this, it's saying, even in times of painful waiting, hope is the confident expectation that you're going to see and experience the goodness of God. It says that I know what is coming. One of our minister friends, Reverend Nasser, says hope is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. And so when we have this, this hope that's been deferred, this expectation that hasn't come to pass, we're in this place where we start to get sick hearted because we have, we're losing this confident expectation. We're not so confident we don't expect so much that we're going to see the goodness of God. And I think what the Spirit wants to do tonight, if that's our definition of hope, I think what the Spirit wants to do tonight is say, I want you to begin again to have a confident expectation that you are going to see and experience the goodness of God in your life. So, I want to talk about hope, but um, I, I, before we jump into my points, <laughs> uh, I actually, I want to I talk about what is our foundation for hope. Because really we can talk about hope all night long, but if we don't understand what our hope is founded on, then it'll just crumble. See, there's a reason our hope crumbles. There's a reason we have it and then we lose it. It's because we don't understand what our hope is founded on. What is the foundation of our hope? Now listen, I'm not a handy guy, okay? Like an ounce. So like, 
a light switch. Okay, see, okay, I'm going to walk over here. I, I'm, so we had a light switch in our home. It's two screws to change the plate. Any, okay, you guys following? Two screws. Take them out, put a new plate on, two screws in. So when, when, we, um, when, when my wife gave birth to our first son, she bought a Winnie the Pooh faceplate for his bedroom. And, uh, and so it's two screws. Take the old plate off, put the new plate on. Winnie the Pooh, hey, how you doing? And two screws back in. That's it, okay? Well, I am so not handy that I came home and my wife had changed the faceplate. And I go, why did you do that? I wanted to do that. Like, I'm, it's my dad thing. I wanted to, like, put the little Winnie the Pooh plate up in this thing. And she's like, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if you could do it. <laughs> I, I, like, really wish I was kidding. So that'll give you a clue as to how handy I am, Okay. Um, because she just genuinely, she wasn't trying to burn me. She was just genuinely not sure if I could handle the screwdriver, okay? Yeah, I, I have other strengths, she says. Um, okay, so, but here's the deal. Even though I'm not a handy person, even I understand that when you're going to build, proper foundation means everything, okay? This building is only as good as the foundation it's on. Building can be gorgeous, it's amazing, it's great, but if it's built on a faulty foundation, when things start shaking, this building's coming down. Doesn't matter how beautiful it is. So our hope can be great. We can talk about all these wonderful things about hope, but if we don't understand what its foundation is, if we don't understand what it's rooted and grounded in, then when, then when the storm comes, when shaking happens, our hope will crumble. So I want to talk about the foundation of our hope. What is our hope built upon? What is our hope rooted and grounded in? I'm going to give you four things. Number one, it's this. And this is like, duh, okay? It's like, really, duh? You're going to look at me and go, like, really? Like, okay, but bear with me. First is this. Jesus Christ. Our hope is founded in Jesus Christ. You go, okay, wait, I know that. But hang on a second. I don't know that we actually live that. We may know that, but I don't know that we actually live that. Look at Psalm chapter 33, verse 22. It says this. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Our hope is founded in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The New Living Translation says, our hope is in you alone. It's in you alone. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'm just going to throw some verses at it. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, and he's addressing who's writing the letter. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope. Jesus Christ is our hope. Jesus Christ is our hope. He's our only hope. He's our only hope. Psalm chapter 62, verses 5 and 6. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. First of all, I love how the psalmist is preaching to himself. You see what's happening there? He's talking to his own soul. He goes, listen, soul, for God alone, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. My hope is from Jesus Christ. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. So this is why, again, buildings crumble when they're built on a faulty foundation. Says, you want to have a hope that cannot be shaken? Your hope needs to come from Jesus Christ himself. It needs to be rooted and grounded in the person and work of Jesus Christ. A man named Edward Mote wrote a hymn in 1834 with these beautiful words. My hope is built on nothing less 
than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And in the chorus of this beautiful hymn, he says, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Our hope is rooted and founded in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Why is that really, really, really good news? That's really good news. If your hope is actually rooted in Jesus Christ, that's really good news because it means that my hope is not rooted in governments and leaders and kings and presidents and banks and the economy and my job and science and medicine. All those things are great. All those things are fantastic. I'm not against any of those things. But they are not the ultimate source and foundation of our hope. Jesus is. And that's really good news. What that means then is that when the doctor's report comes back negative, I don't have to give up hope. Because my hope was never rooted in the doctor's report. Right? It means that when the economy tanks, I don't have to give up my hope because my hope wasn't rooted in in a flourishing economy. When I lose my job, when the government screws up or acts in corrupt ways, when the house forecloses, when I lose possessions, when people let me down and slander me and falsely accuse me, I don't have to give up my hope because my hope was never rooted in doctor's reports or the economy or my job or the government or my home or possessions or even in how other people treat me. Or even rooted in my own ability. My hope is not built on me. Our hope is and has always been rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That means, see, all those other things are shakable. Right? How many of you had somebody look at you and I go, we're friends for life, man, and then they're like, I got you. I got, man, I got your back, bro, like to death. And then like, oh, where, where are you? Okay? All of those, how many of you had a job you thought was just, just you could bank on it? It's just, and all of a sudden, wait, what? What? All those things are shakable. Jesus Christ is unshakable. Unshakable. That means if our hope is rooted in Christ, our hope is unshakable. It's unshakable. Number two, what is our hope founded? What is the foundation of our hope? The person and work of Jesus Christ. Number two is this, the word of God. The word of God. Our hope is built and rooted and founded on the living and powerful word of God. Psalm chapter 119, verses 49 and 50 says this. Remember your word to your servant. It says, Lord, remember your word to me in which you have made me hope. Did you catch that? He says, remember the word that you gave me. The word of God is the thing in which I have been given hope. He says, this is my comfort in affliction, that your promise gives me life. I I, I wish, go home and read Psalm 119. It's like the longest chapter in the Bible. It was all about the word of God. Just over and over again. Uh, Verse 74, verse 81, verse 114, verse 147. He says, I hope in your word. I hope in your word. My hope is based in your word. I hope in your word. In your word, I hope. Over and over again. Over and over again. Hope and the word of God are linked. 
It's no wonder then when you start to let go of your grip of the word of God that your hope starts to fade. God's word is the foundation of our hope. Why can we put our hope in God's word? Because his word is not like man's word. God keeps his word. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. I love, I love this. God is not a man that he should lie. <laughs> or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said it and will he not do it? Has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? It's like, scripture's like, is God a liar? That's what it's saying. It's like, do you think God would speak something to you and not fulfill that? Do you think God's in the business of just dangling a carrot in front of you that he never intends to let you have? That's not the God that we serve. Martin Luther, uh, who kind of spearheaded the, the Reformation back in the day, said this. I love this quote. I don't agree with everything Luther said, but I, I like this quote. He said this. A man's word is a little sound that flies into the air and soon vanishes. Isn't that true? Man's word is just a little sound that flies into the air and then vanishes. But the word of God endures everlastingly. Yeah. Jesus himself said this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Amen. Elsewhere, he said, all flesh, all humans are like grass, and the grass comes and it fades. He says, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen. He said, oceans will rise and mountains will fall, but my word will stand. The elements will melt with heat. It says, my word will endure. It's not as shakable as some would let you believe. It's unshakable. Unshakable. Titus chapter 1, verse 2. Paul's writing again to Titus, and he says this, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. He says, verse we just read says God doesn't lie. This verse says God never lies. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 says this, so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Why can we have hope in the word of God? Because God doesn't lie. Because God will never lie. Because it's actually impossible for God to lie. That's what the scripture just said. Every word he speaks will come to pass. Every word. It may not look like it in the situation you're in right now. I'm telling you. Every word will come to pass. He watches. Scripture says he watches over his word to perform it. Scripture says his word will not return to him void, but it will accomplish the thing that he sent it for. Our hope is rooted in the word of God. I want to read this in the message translation. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. We already read one of these verses, but I just love it in the message Bible, okay? It's, just, it's amazing. He says this. 
When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word, which is a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word, it says. And because his word cannot change, the promise, likewise, is unchangeable. So we, who have run for our very lives to God, have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. Amen. So our hope is rooted in Jesus Christ. It's rooted in the word of God. And third, it's rooted in God's past works. Our hope is founded. The foundation of our hope is it's in God's past works. Read Romans chapter 15, verse 4 with me. It says this about the scriptures. It says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. You go, wait, you're preaching your last point. Because no, here's what it says. It says all the stuff, so yes, our hope is rooted in the word of God, but it's also rooted in what God has done in the past. That's what it's saying. It says the, part of the reason the Holy Spirit gave us this word is to show us all the ways that God proved faithful for so many other people. You know, Moses is not a different type of human being than you, right? Oh, you thought he was. You know, Abraham's not a different type of person than you. You know, Scripture says Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. We take these people and we put them on this pedestal and we go, oh, these are spiritual giants and they just have a faith that I can never have. It's like these are people that were just as jacked up as you and me. They were just as jacked up as us and God used them to do amazing things. And he came through for them time and time again. Look at Psalm chapter 78 verses 5 through 7. It says, he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. Teach to your children. That the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Here's what he's saying. He says, I want you to make it. A pattern. I want you to teach your kids, and I want them to teach their kids, and I want them to teach their kids, and I want them to teach them this. I want them to tell them everything that God has done. I want, them to, I want you to remind your kids so that they can remind their kids, so that they can remind their kids everything that God has done. Remember God's passwords. Don't forget. That's what it's saying. Don't forget what God has done. Everything that happened before, it says, was written here so that we will see God's past works and scripture says have hope so that they should set their hope in God he says here's how I'm going to give you hope when you read about all the ways that I've come through for others it's going to build hope in you hope's going to begin to rise inside of you you're going to go wow God did it again God did it again God did you know what you know what there's not one time that God has failed to come through The same God, I, I, listen, I, I, don't, I don't even care. I, I love you, but I don't even care if this sounds like foolishness to you. The same God who parted the Red Sea for the Israelites and shut the mouths of lions for Daniel and delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace and caused a great prophet of God to be born from Hannah's barren womb. And held the sun still for Joshua. That same God lives in us if we're children of God. 
We serve the same Jesus who healed the blind and the deaf and the crippled and those with leprosy. We serve the same Jesus. The same Jesus who interrupted funerals and had demons begging for mercy. Don't forget. That's what the scripture just said. Don't forget. Remember and have hope. Remember and be built up, strengthened in hope. It's a foundation for your hope, what God has done before. What has God done in your life? I know people in this room who were given a diagnosis that you should be dead today. Raise your hand if that's happened to you. Oh, look at that. You thought I was lying. The man said, you're going to die. I'm sorry, it's over. God said something else. Remind, remind yourself what God has done. Not just for others, in your life. The same God who has come through time and time again will come through this time too. Number four, so our hope is founded on Jesus Christ, the word of God, God's past works, and number four, God's future plans. Our hope is founded on God's future plans. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Some of you called it out. You knew where I was going. God says, for I know the plan that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good, plans for welfare, and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. You and I can have hope because God's plans for our future are good. They're good. They're good plans. They're good plans. And, and listen, we believe. Scripture says we believe. What is hope? Confident expectation of the goodness of God. Okay? What, what, is, what does the Scripture say? It says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So yes, we have hope because God's future plans in this life for us are good. But it's not just in this life that we have hope. It's also in the age to come. In fact, our ultimate hope is not actually rooted in anything in this world. Our ultimate hope is not actually tied to anything in the here and now. Yes, we have hope that we're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Yes. And yet our ultimate hope is rooted in the eternal promise of God. And no circumstance in this life can ever rob us of that hope. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. In heaven. You go, wait a minute, does that mean I can't have hope in this world? No, no, no. We just made that very clear. We do hope and believe that we're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, and yet our our hope is eternally rooted in the eternal promise of God. 
which means nothing that happens in this life can rob us of that hope. It says, our hope is laid up for you in heaven. It says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. What do we see in heaven? Look at Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. This is a beautiful picture. We're given a vision of what happens in heaven. It says, then I saw, John writing, it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Listen, if our hope is rooted in this world, uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's a problem. Because it's, it's just, this world was no more. New heaven and a new earth. It says, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. What's happening in heaven? God just intimately dwelling with his people like it was in the garden when he walked with Adam and Eve. What's the promise of heaven is the, the manifest presence of God. Like, what's better than that? It's better than that. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And listen to this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning or crying or pain, for the former things have passed away. That means all of your sorrow and crying and mourning and death and tears and struggle and sorrow, says those are former things. Those are things of this temporary life. That stuff fades, it says. Our hope is rooted in the unshakable future promise of Jesus Christ. That means even death can't rob me of hope. That means even suffering cannot rob me of hope. Can't steal it from me. You can't take hope that's not rooted in something of this world. You can take this whole world and you can't take my hope. You can take everything. You can take every possession. You can take my health. You can take everything and you can't take my hope because it's not rooted in any of those things. That means that no matter how the circumstances turn out, everything ends in your favor. If you're a child of God. No matter how it turns out, it turns out good. Now, what it means is that our future, if we're a child of God, our future is secure in the hands of a God who has good plans for us. That means that truly, without being cheesy at all, the best is yet to come. That means that God is working all things, even the difficult things, for our good and his glory for all of eternity. That's what it means. And he will work all things towards a glorious finish for all of eternity. So, as children of God, our hope is rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's rooted in the word of God. It's rooted in God's past works. Remember what he's done. Don't forget. Have hope in this life. And it's rooted in his plans, his good plans for our future.
in this life and in the age to come. And because our hope is rooted in that God, the only true God, we have an unshakable hope. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, you are amazing. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you for everything that you've done in the past, Lord. We thank you for all the ways that you've come through over and over and over and over again. Lord, we thank you for your future plans for us. God, we know that not just in this life, but in the age to come in both, God, we can just have hope. We can have hope in you. We can have a hope that this world can't rob us of. We can have a a hope that cynical people can't rob us of. We can have a hope that people without faith cannot rob us of. We can have a hope that people who attack us cannot rob us of. We can have a hope that jobs and the economy cannot rob us of, Father. Our hope is not rooted in any of those things because it's rooted in you, and you are unshakable. You will endure, and your word will endure forever. And so we firmly take our stand on the rock of Jesus Christ, that our hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. We thank you. Father God, I pray tonight for so many here who maybe walked into this place hopeless or with a hope that was barely hanging on. God, I pray by your spirit now, touch them, move in their hearts and lives. Even if they've just found it hard to believe all, all night just and then fought it, I pray that now would be that moment of breakthrough. I pray that right now, God, that your spirit would break through into them whatever it was that they have just been discouraged or dry about. God, that you would come and bring fresh hope fresh life and God where there's hope there's courage and there's strength there's nothing nothing that can shake that from us thank you Father encourage hearts now pray in the name of Jesus Amen Amen